This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi, everyone, here and around the world. Today, July 26, 2023, was an historic day in Washington, D.C., after an actual serious two-hour hearing this morning in the Rayburn Building by the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability's National Security Subcommittee, led by Tennessee Representative Tim Burchett. This very important congressional hearing was entitled, quote, Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, Implications on National Security, Public Safety and Government Transparency, close quote. Over the past few weeks, Representative Burchett had already told reporters that, quote, we're done with the cover-ups and UFO, UAPs, are either something extraterrestrial or a secret government project. And if the answer is extraterrestrial, would people panic? Representative Burchett's answer, quote, look at the polls. More people believe in UFOs than believe in Congress, close quote. This morning, there were testimonies from three military sources who have spoken before in news programs about their firsthand experiences with UFO UAPs. Appearing before the House National Security Subcommittee were Ryan Graves, founder and executive director of Americans for Safe Aerospace, the first military pilot-led nonprofit dedicated to UFO UAPs, as a matter of national security, aerospace safety, and science. Lieutenant Graves is a former Navy F-18 instructor pilot, and Navy Lieutenant Graves reported multiple encounters with mysterious aerial objects during training exercises off the East Coast of the United States. Lieutenant Graves also serves as the first chair of the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics Unidentified Aerospace Phenomena Integration and Outreach Committee. It's also known by the acronym UAPIOC. Sorry, it's smoke here today. It represents more than 30,000 members of the aerospace industry. David Grush was a former National Reconnaissance Officer representative for the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Task Force of the Department of Defense. Mr. Grush came forward publicly in June on News Nation to say that the U.S. government has, quote, retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin, close quote. David Fravor, retired U.S. Navy pilot and former commanding officer of the Navy's Black Aces Squadron, encountered the now-famous all-white UFO UAP craft 200 miles southwest of San Diego over ocean waters on November 14, 2004. He compared the object to an all-white Tic Tac candy 
and the name Tic Tac stuck to the UFO UAP first reported by the New York Times on its front page December 16, 2017. Finally, some congressional representatives are taking UFO UAP seriously. There is a growing demand to open up publicly what the Pentagon has been hiding for 80 years since World War II. In addition to today's hearing organized by Tennessee Representative Tim Burchett, U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York introduced on July 13, 2023, an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that is modeled after the JFK Assassination Records Collection Act. He calls it the, quote, Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Disclosure Act of 2023, close quote. Senator Schumer's proposed amendment contains specific language to require the release of U.S. government UFO UAP records about crashed UFO vehicles, debris, reverse-engineered technologies of unknown origin, and biological evidence of living or deceased non-human intelligence currently that are in the possession of the U.S. government. Senator Schumer recently introduced his Senate Bill 2226 entitled Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Disclosure Act of 2023. So my amendment will require the National Archive and Records Administration to create a collection of records from across government agencies that can be declassified for the public's use, similar to the approach used in 1992 with the JFK Assassination Records Collection Act. These records will carry a presumption of immediate disclosure, which means they can only remain classified with good reason. Here are a couple of important paragraphs in Senator Schumer's new bill. Quote, all federal government re records concerning unidentified anomalous phenomena should carry a presumption of immediate disclosure and all records should be eventually disclosed to enable the public to become fully informed about the history of the federal government's knowledge and involvement surrounding unidentified anomalous phenomena. Legislation is necessary because Credible evidence and testimony indicates that federal government unidentified anomalous phenomena records exist that have not been declassified or subject to mandatory declassification review as set forth in Executive Order 13526 relating to classified national security information due in part to exemptions under the Atomic Energy Act of 1954, as well as broad interpretation of transclassified foreign nuclear information, which is also exempt from mandatory declassification, thereby preventing public disclosure under existing provisions of law." Close quote. Senator Schumer concluded, quote, the American public has a right to learn about technologies of unknown origins, non-human intelligence, and unexplainable phenomena, close quote. But a problem is 
that the Pentagon and JSOC, the Joint Special Operations Command, do not want to open all of their 80 years of secret files about UFOs and non-human intelligences to the public. Whoever prevails in this battle will signal whether power brokers only and or 340 million American citizens will drive this country's uncertain future. And now, let's hear some excerpts from the historic two-hour House hearing this morning about, quote, unidentified anomalous phenomena, implications on national security, public safety, and government transparency, close quote. Again, thank you all for, for your service and for testifying today. I um, want to just uh, talk about the UAPs as it relates to what we're seeing in the pilots' interaction with UAPs. Particularly, Mr. Graves, one of the, I think, concerns that from members of this committee is this idea that pilots, there's no system to actually report UAPs and the stigma around pilots. And so could you, can you just briefly, you mentioned that there, you're working with 30 pilots right now that have had encounters with UAPs. Uh, but you've also, I believe, um, discussed and know of many more pilots. This is just those that you're currently working with. Is that correct? Can you expand on that? Certainly. I'll break that down two ways. First, when we were first experiencing these objects off the eastern seaboard in the 2014 to 2015 time period, anyone that had upgraded their radar systems were seeing these objects. So there was a large number of my colleagues uh, that were detecting these objects off the eastern seaboard. They were further correlating that information with the other onboard sensors, uh, and many of them also had their own uh, eye sightings as well of these objects. Now, that was our personal first, uh, first-hand experience at the time. Since then, as I've engaged this topic, uh, others have reached out to me to share their experiences, both uh, on the military side as well as the commercial aviation side. On the military aviation side, uh, veterans that have recently got out have shared their stories and have expressed how the objects we were seeing in 2014, 2015 uh, continued all the way to 2019, 2020, and beyond. And so it became a generational issue for naval aviators on the eastern seaboard. This was something we were briefing uh, to new students. This is something that was included in the notice to airmen to ensure that there was no uh, uh, accidents. Um, and now with commercial aviators, they are reaching out because they're having somewhat similar experiences as our military brothers and sisters, but they do not have any reporting system that they can send us to. And, and let me just add, to, and both to, to um Mr. Fravor, uh, as well as Mr. Graves, not having this system for, for reporting, um, would you both agree that it's harmful to not just our national security interests, but to understand this phenomenon of what's happening with UAPs? I think it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's actually it's a travesty that we don't have a system to correlate this and actually investigate. You know, so if you took the East Coast, you know, there's, there's, there's coastal radars out there that monitor our air defense identification zone, so out to 200 miles. Uh, they can track these, you know, so when you see them, they could actually go and pull that data and, and get maneuvering. And, and instead of just having the airplanes, there's other data sources out there. And I've talked to other government officials on this. So you need a centrally located repository that these reports go to. So if you just stuck it in DOD, you wouldn't get anything out of the Intelligence Committee because they have a tendency to not to talk. But if you had a central location where these reports would come in, not just military, but also commercial aviation, because there's a lot of that going on, especially if you talk to anyone that flies from here to Hawaii, over the Pacific, they see odd lights. So I think you need to develop something that allows you a central point to collect the data in order to investigate. Mr. Graves? 
I would concur with everything Mr. Fravor said. Um, I'll continue to say that the commercial pilots that have reached out to me through Americans for Safe Aerospace are doing so because they don't feel there's another way for them to report this safety issue. And I think one of the clear outcomes of this hearing already um, is that there has to be a safe and transparent reporting process for pilots, both on the commercial side and the military side, to be able to report UAPs in a way that's also transparent, but also understands the scope of our, of our national security interests uh, and what uh, may be classified or not. But I think there has to be some sort of system. And so that's something that I hope can be an outcome that this committee can, um, can work on. Uh, is there anything else, for just for the two of you, briefly, beyond this reporting system that you think that we can do as a government to encourage and facilitate more civilian reporting? I think we're civilian. doing it right now. Okay, great. I think this hearing is, is going to show the American people that their government takes this topic seriously. And how, and, and how about civilians that may not be pilots? What kind of process could be in place for civilians who are not pilots, who may have UAP encounters? Do either of you have any suggestions that could facilitate that? My recommendations would, make, uh, would be to make that a, sens a sensor-centric operation in order to make it as objective as possible. Okay. Sir, Mr. Favor? No, I agree with Mr. Graves on that. Okay. Um, just, just, just briefly, I also just want to um, note, for, particularly for the two pilots, and I have a question for Mr. Grush. One of the things that I found fascinating in our discussion, Mr. Graves, last night as well, is that you both described um, UAPs and formations and the way they, 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 they are uh, observed in space or, or in our air, and the way that they move is essentially um, ways in which current technology or aircraft that we know of are unable to actually function or move. And so will you just, for the public record, again, once, once again, um, just uh, briefly uh, just either describe or note that aircraft that are being witnessed, particularly by the 30 folks that you're working with, are essentially outside the scope of anything that we know of today and the technology we have today. Mr. Graves, Mr. Fravor? Yes, uh, the objects that are being seen by commercial pilots are uh, performing maneuvers that are unexplainable due to our current understanding of our technology and our capabilities as a country. And that applies for the military as well. Mr. 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 Fair? Yeah, I concur with that. We have nothing that can stop in midair and go the other direction, nor do we have anything that can, like in our situation, come down from space, hang out for three hours, and go back up. Thank you. My last question, and, so, and sometimes you, I know that some, you have also said some of these answers in the past, but we're trying to get them on the public record as well, which is really important. Mr. Gresh, finally, do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. And, and, and where? I know the exact locations, and, and those locations were provided to the Inspector General and some of which to the Intelligence Committees. I actually had the people with the first-hand knowledge um, provide a protected disclosure to the Inspector General. Thank you. And Mr. Chairman, I would just say that I think that these questions are important questions, and I look forward to uh, being involved in the process to get those answered. I know there will be a lot of questions from other committee members, so I yield back. Mr. Graves, again, I'd like to know, um, how do you know that these were not our aircraft? Some of the behaviors that we saw in a working area, we would see these objects uh, being at 0, 0.0 Mach, that's zero airspeed, over certain pieces of the ground. So what that means, just like a river, if you throw a bobber in, it's going to float downstream. These objects were staying completely stationary in category four hurricane winds. These same objects would then accelerate to supersonic speeds, 1.1, 1.2 Mach, uh, and they would do so in very erratic and, and quick behaviors that we don't, I don't have an explanation for. Okay. Have you spoken to um, commercial and military pilots um, that have seen these off of our East Coast? I have. Okay. Mr. Favor, what, what astonished you the most about the, the flight capabilities of these Tic Tac, very briefly? Uh, the performance. 
absolute performance. It was. And, and yeah. you're, you're not aware of any other objects that anybody in the world has in this world that has those capabilities? No, I think it's far beyond actually our material science that we currently possess. Are you aware of any other reconnaissance platforms that have tracked or recorded the Tic Tacs maneuvers, maybe the NORAD system or any of the others? I am not. Okay. Mr. Grush, thank you for being here, brother. Thank you all very much. Um, have you faced any retaliation or reprisals for any of your testimony or anything on these lines? Yeah, uh, I have to be careful what I say in detail because there is an open uh, whistleblower reprisal investigation on my behalf, and I don't want to compromise that investigation by providing anything that may uh, help provide somebody information. But it was very brutal and uh, very unfortunate, some of the tactics they used to um, hurt me both professionally and, and personally, to be quite frank. Yeah, It's very unfortunate, as they say, when you're over the target, that's when they do the most firing at you. Do you have any personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured in efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial technology? Yes. Personally. Have you heard, have anyone been murdered that you would think, that you know of or have heard of, I guess? I have to be careful asking that question. I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities. Maybe in a, um, if we could get, it, get in a um, confidential area skiff we could talk about that but unfortunately um, we were denied access to the skiff and that's very unfortunate in this in this scenario um, mr. favor you believe that you witnessed an additional object under the water in relation to your encounter I will say we did not see an object there was something there to cause the white water and when we turned around it was gone so there was something there that obviously moved Okay, it was, it was not the same object, though, that you were, you were looking at, correct? No, we actually joked that the Tic Tac was communicating with something when we came back and because the whitewater disappeared. Uh, we were, in, in another instance, we're told about the capabilities of, of a jamming during viewing of some, when there were some people chasing some of these objects. Did you experience any of that jamming or interrupting your radar or weapon system? My crew that launched after we landed experienced significant jamming to the APG-73 radar, which was what we had on board, which is a mechanically scanned, very high-end uh, system prior to the APG-79. And yes, it did pretty much everything you could do, range, velocity, aspect, and then it <coughs> spit the lock, and the targeting pod is passive. That's what we were able to get the video on. Well, I'm about to run out of time, but um, are you aware of any of our enemies that have that capability? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mr. Graves, um, you reported UAP encounters um, during training flights, I think, and have since come forward to warn the Pentagon that uh, these encounters may be putting pilots at risk. Um, my first question is, um, you've identified these as taking place on the East Coast. Is it just on the East Coast where these encounters uh, have been Reported? No. Since uh, the events initially occurred, I've learned that the objects have been detected essentially where uh, all operations, uh, Navy operations, are being conducted across the world. Uh, and that's from uh, the All Domain Anomaly Resolutions Office reporting. Are, can you describe your experience after you decided to come forward and um, go public with your um, experience? Certainly. Uh, like many others, uh, in 2017, I saw the New York Times article come out uh, as well, 
And for me, it was, it was special because I recognized the voices on the video. Uh, I recognized the video itself. I had seen it when it was taken. I'd seen it when it was debriefed. Um, and so that was kind of shook me because I realized that this problem was still ongoing. And so I reached out to colleagues back on the East Coast uh, and realized that this was still a safety risk that they were dealing with, that they had essentially hit a wall with how they could move forward on this conversation. It was at that point when I decided to try to move the conversation forward myself. Um, are there common characteristics to the UAPs that have been cited by different pilots? And can you describe what the convergence of descriptions is? Certainly. Uh, we were primarily seeing dark gray or black cubes inside of a clear sphere. I'm sorry, dark gray or black cubes? Yes, inside yeah. of a clear sphere, where the apex or tips of the cube were touching the inside of that sphere. And that was primarily what was being reported when we were able to gain a visual tally of these objects. And that occurred over almost eight years. And as far as I know, it's still occurring. Um, so the, I take it that you're arguing what we need is real transparency in a reporting system so we can get some clarity on what's going on out there because there are many pilots in your situation, um, but we should have a, a way of developing a sy systematic inventory of all of such encounters. Is that right? Yes, and I think we need both transparency and the reporting. We have the reporting, but we need to make sure that information can be promulgated to commercial aviation as well as the rest of the populace. Um, Mr. Grush, what, what about you? What was your experience after you came forward? Well, uh, it's only been about two months or so, so I guess my experience has been you know, overwhelming support from uh, former colleagues of mine that have you know, privately messaged me, and, and I do appreciate that. Uh, but I, I do have knowledge of um, active planned uh, reprisal activity against myself and other colleagues, and it's very, very upsetting to me. Coming from where? Uh, certain senior leadership at previous agencies I was associated with. And that's all I'll say publicly. But I can provide more details in a closed environment. Okay. Well, I, I hope you understand that um, there would be bipartisan rejection of any attempt uh, to vilify, demonize, or engage in other reprisals against our witnesses and people who are telling the truth from their perspective. Yeah, there were certain colleagues of mine that were brutally administratively attacked. And it you know, actually makes me very upset to, as a leader to see that happen to other coworkers and actually superiors of mine over well, the last three years. How do you account for that response? That, that seems like a bizarre response. Uh, I call it administrative terrorism. That's their, their quiver, their tool in the toolbox uh, to silence people, especially, you know, the uh, career government service cares about their career, cares about their clearance, uh, their reputation to climb the ladder. And when you threaten that uh, flow, career path, uh, uh, a lot of people back off. Um, but I'm here to represent those people, so. Mr. Fravor, what is your general interpretation um, of these phenomena? Or what is your current thinking of trying to make sense of them? I will tell you that what we saw with four sets of eyes over a five-minute period, still, there's nothing, we have nothing close to it. It was, it was amazing to see. I told my buddy I wanted to fly it, but... Yeah, it's just an, an incredible technology. Mr. Moskowitz. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. What about G-forces? Let's talk about G-forces of those vehicles. Could a human survive those G-forces with known technology today? No. No, not for the acceleration rates that we observed. Okay. What about what they look like? How close did you get? Did you see a seam or a rivet 
or a section. And what I mean is, obviously, the jets you're flying have all those things. Did these objects have those? Do you want to go, Ryan? I didn't have, I didn't have the detail to be able to tell that. So we got within a half mile of Tic Tac, which people say that's pretty far, but it's, in airplanes, that's actually relatively close. No, it was perfectly white, smooth, no windows, although when we did take the original FLIR video that is out there, when you put it on a big screen, it actually had two little objects that came out of the bottom of it. Um, but other than that, no, no windows, no seams, no nothing. Mr. Grush, as a result of your previous government work, have you met with people with direct knowledge or have direct knowledge yourself of non-human origin craft? Yes, I personally interviewed those individuals. <clears throat> Mr. Grush, as a result of your previous government work, have you met with people with direct knowledge or have direct knowledge yourself about ATs, advanced technologies that the U.S. government has? Uh, based on uh, conventional uh, advanced tech, I was briefed to uh, the preponderance of the defense departments, both space and aerospace department of programs, yeah. Do you have knowledge or do you have reason to believe that there are programs in the advanced tech space that are unsanctioned? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. And, and when you say that they're above congressional oversight, what do you mean? Uh, complicated question. Uh, so there's, you know, some, I would call it abuse here. So congressional oversight of conventional spe special access programs, so I'll use Title 10, so DOD as an example, right? So 10 U.S. Code Section 119 discusses congressional oversight of SAPs, discusses uh, the, the DEPSECDEF's ability to waive congressional reporting. However, the Gang of Eight is at least supposed to be notified if a, you know, a waived or waived bigoted unacknowledged SAP is uh, created, and that's public law. Well, so that how does, I mean, I don't want to cut you off, but yeah. how does a program like that get funded? I will give you generalities. I can get very specific in a closed session, uh, but a mis misappropriation of funds and uh, does that mean that Does that mean that there is money in the budget that is said to go to a program, but it doesn't, and it goes to something else? Yes, I have specific knowledge of that. Yep. Do you think U.S. corporations are over overcharging for certain tech they're selling to the U.S. government, and that additional money is going to programs? Correct, through something called IRAD. Satellite imagery. Let's talk about satellite imagery. We have satellites all over the place, some that we're aware of and many that we're not aware of, right? We're taking pictures of everything at every point in second. Uh, Mr. Grush, are you aware, do you have direct knowledge, or have you talked to people with direct knowledge that there are satellite imagery of these events? Uh, that was one of my primary tasks at NGA, since we uh, process, exploit, and disseminate that kind of information. I've seen multiple cases, some of which, to my understanding, and of course, I left NGA in April, so that's my information cutoff date. Uh, but I personally um, reviewed both uh, what we call overhead collection and from other strategic and tactical platforms that were, I could not even explain prosaically. And I have a degree in physics, by the way, as well. And I had, uh, I, I'm aware that you guys have not seen these um, reports, unfortunately, and I don't know why. It is, do you have direct knowledge, or you have spoken to people with direct knowledge that this imagery applies to crash sites, crash, crash imagery? I can't discuss that in an open session. Okay. Uh, do you have any information that the U.S. government is involved in a disinformation campaign to deny the existence of certain UAPs? I can't go beyond what I've already stated publicly in my News Nation interview because uh, it touches other sensitivities. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, appreciate you guys coming out today, testifying. Look, I've been here for six months, and I'm pretty skeptical. I don't trust anything in this town. 
And, um, and so, I, and I think that's because I'm from Missouri, you've got to show me, right? Um, with that being said, um, there's been a lot of things that have been said um, in, in the public, uh, Mr. Grush, and, and so I want to get down to, if we can, some specifics, right? So um, at one point you had said that there, 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 there uh, has been harmful activity or aggressive activity. Has any of the activity um, been aggressive, been um, hostile in your reports? Uh, I know of multiple colleagues of mine that got physically injured. And uh, the activity... And I got to, by by UAPs or by by people within the, the federal government. Both. Okay, yeah. so yeah. there has been activity by by alien or non non human technology and or beings that has caused harm to humans. Uh, I can't get into the specifics in a, an open environment, but at least the activity that I personally witnessed. And not to be very careful here, because uh, you don't, you know, they tell you never to acknowledge tradecraft, right? So what I personally witnessed, myself and my wife, was very disturbing. Okay. Um, one of my constituents actually sent this next question, and I figured I'd ask it since I had the same thought. You've said that the U.S. In has intact spacecraft. You said that the government has alien bodies or alien species. Have you seen... Have you, have you seen the spacecraft? I have to be careful to describe what I've seen uh, firsthand and not in this environment, but I, I could answer that question behind, behind closed doors. Yeah. And have you seen any of the bodies? That's something I've, I've not uh, witnessed myself. Okay. And so with that being said, you know, and the other, other statement that has been made that was intriguing to me because, and it's intriguing because my, my view has been that we are billions of light years away from any, any other system. And the concept that an alien species that's technologically advanced enough to travel billions of light years gets here and somehow is incompetent enough to not survive Earth or crashes is, is something that I find a little bit far-fetched. And with that being said, you have mentioned that there's interdimensional potential. Could you expound on that? I'll get to answer your first question, and you know I'm here as a fact witness and expert, but I, I will give you a, a theoretical framework at least to work off to kind of espouse uh, crashes, uh, regardless of uh, you know your level of sentience, right? You know planes crash, cars crash, n number of sorties, what, however high, a small percentage are going to end in you know mission failure, if you will, as we say in the in the Air Force, uh, and then in terms of uh, multi-dimensionality, that kind of thing, the the framework. Uh, that I'm familiar with, for example, is something called the holographic principle. Uh, both uh, it's, it derives itself from general relativity and uh, quantum mechanics. And that is, if you want to imagine uh, a 3D object such as yourself casting a shadow onto a 2D surface, uh, that's the holographic principle. So you can be projected, quasi-projected from higher dimensional space to lower dimensional. It's a scientific trope that you can actually cross, literally, as far as I understand, but there's probably guys are PhDs that we could probably but, argue about that. But you have yeah. not seen any documentation that that's what's occurring. Uh, only theory. a theoretical framework discussion. Yes. Okay. Several months ago, my office received a protected disclosure from Eglin Air Force Base indicating that there was a UAP incident that required my attention. 
I sought a briefing regarding that episode and brought with me Congressman Burchett and Congresswoman Luna. We asked to see any of the evidence that had been taken by flight crew in this endeavor and to observe any radar signature uh, as, long as, to, as well as to meet with the flight crew. We were not afforded access to all of the flight crew. And initially, we were not afforded access to images and to radar. Thereafter, we had a bit of a discussion about how authorities flow in the United States of America, and we did see the image. And we did meet with one member of the flight crew who took the image. The image was of something that I am not able to attach to any human capability, either from the United States or from any of our adversaries. And I'm somewhat informed on the matter, having served on the Armed Services Committee for seven years, having served on the committee that oversees DARPA and advanced technologies for several years. Um, when we spoke with the flight crew, and when he showed us the photo that he'd taken, I asked why the video wasn't engaged, why we didn't have a FLIR system that worked. Here's what he said. They were out on a test mission that day over the Gulf of Mexico, and when you're on a test mission, you're supposed to have clear airspace, not supposed to be anything that shows up. And they saw a sequence of four craft in a clear diamond formation for which there is uh, a radar sequence that I and I alone have observed in the United States Congress. One of the pilots goes to check out that diamond formation and sees a large floating, what I can only describe as an orb, Again, like I said, not of any human capability that I'm, that I'm aware of. And when he approached, he said that his radar went down, he said that his FLIR system malfunctioned, and that he had to manually take this image um, from one of the lenses, and it was not automatic, automated uh, in collection, as you would typically see in a test mission. So uh, I guess I'll start with Commander Fravor. In, how should we think about the fact that this craft that was approached by our pilot uh, had the capability of disarming a number of the sensor and collection systems on that craft? Well, I think this goes to that national security side, and you can go back through history of things showing up at certain areas and disabling our capabilities, which is disheartening. And for us, I mean, like I said, it, it completely disabled the radar on the aircraft when it tried to do it, and the only way we could see it is passively, which is how he got that image. So I think that's a, that's a concern on what are these doing, not only how do they operate, but their capabilities inside to do things like this. I would like to add, however, Congressman, uh, there's a small, uh, small bit of uh, uh, anger, I would say, I would feel that those pilots are still uh, facing that difficulty in reporting this topic, and they don't have the tools to be able to mitigate this issue. It just goes to show how serious this is and why this is such an important issue for our pilots and for our nation. It was stated explicitly to me by these test pilots that if you have a UAP experience, the best thing you can do for your career is forget it and not tell anyone. Because any type of reporting, either above the surface or below the surface, uh, does have a perceived consequence to these people, and that is a culture we must change if we want to get to the truth. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I, I would observe that perhaps as we, as we move forward from this hearing, there are some obvious next steps. Every person watching this knows that we need to meet with Mr. Grush in a secure compartmentalized facility so that we can get fulsome answers that do not put him in jeopardy and that, and that give us the information we need. Second, I would suggest that the 
radar images from, um, that were collected of this formation of craft out of Eglin Air Force Base, and specifically the actual image taken by the actual flight crew that we can actually validate um, be provided to the committee, subpoenaed if necessary, um, so that we're able to track how to get this type of reporting and analysis done in a more fulsome way. That would be my recommendation, humbly, as a guest here of the Fine Oversight Committee. I yield back. Um, transparency is a cornerstone of government. Uh, we live in a, in a vast galaxy. Uh, a lot of unanswered questions, and thank you all for being here today. While we are waiting for official truth that we're not alone in this universe, I finally have been getting some very, very interesting uh, information from people in a variety of directions. And I have finally uh, been told officially that the UFO, UAPs, will be eventually laid out to us as life forms, extraterrestrial, from a number of different solar systems. And the Pentagon knows that and has for a long time. And I have received an email recently concerning that Reddit leak about exobiospheric organisms, or EBOs, that I reported about on my July 5th Earth Files. Well, this new communication from a military aerospace science background person says, quote, I managed to get a copy of the EBO post on Reddit that got taken down. Everything in that July 5th article is factual. To explain this a little better, what he is talking about are programmed biological life forms or PLFs as they are referred to. He is correct in pointing out they are a blend of much of the biological material sourced here, meaning on Earth, and mixed with some from out there, not of Earth origin, or organic material from Earth. What he did not mention is that the Shimura mix that he referenced always has Earth-human DNA mixed in with other Earth organisms. This is what makes it extremely difficult in explaining the where do they come from questions. These are what most people in these classified programs call mission grays or autonomous PLFs. These are the ones built for space travel and interact in the abduction exercise and show absolutely no emotion or empathy toward anyone having the abduction experience. They are simply carrying out what they are programmed to do. These PLFs have a four-lobe brain with a center lobe that is connected to all four lobes. This is the reason for the large cranium. The black eyes are not black, that is a tissue-engineered device about 16 layers thick to cover the whole eye and provide significant contrast in different spectra of light, close quote. I greatly appreciate hearing from those of you working in government, aerospace, science, or medical programs who study and or even interact with non-human intelligences and know how huge the disconnect is between what humans know 
about other life in this universe versus the truth that it is throughout the universe. Please keep reaching out to me. I am working on several investigations right now, and I want you to know that I'm going to take the month of August off like I did last year, and that we will still have our Wednesday get-togethers through broadcasts, rebroadcasts of uh, other special programs that I have done in the past, and that I'm planning on returning September 6th with a fascinating, eerie earth mystery. I'm not going to tell you anything about it now, but I'm working on it, and it will be fascinating on September 6th. And now, dear Ian in England, back to you for comments and questions on this. To me, it is a historic day because this is the first time that I ever felt like the United States population heard an educated and trying to be honest discussion about the fact that UFOs and UAPs are related to other intelligences that are not human. Yes, Linda, what a historic day. It's a day that we're all going to remember. I joined Alan Steinfeld's New Realities YouTube channel with his watch party, and it was so good to be there as part of the community and also to share it with actual experiencers such as JK Ultra and Alan himself, who's an experiencer, as, as things unfolded. And we took away things from it, such as the, the headlines that, have na that are now making the news, such as non-human biologics found at UFO crash sites. Yeah. And this technology we faced was far superior to what we have. So, yeah, excellent. I've got a whole lot of comments from the chat. The chat's really engaged tonight, so I'm just going to go through some comments, and then we've got plenty of questions as well lined up for you, Linda. All right. So here, here we go from the comments. Marty McFly says, this is not about craft. It's about building a case on why they went rogue. Um, obviously talking about the establishment and the cover-up. Uh, that was another quote that we had today, which was uncover the cover-up. A great quote to take away. Today was meant to get information into public record so that recourse can be sought. Joanne Cook says, this is the most disclosure we've had to date on public record. More, more, more. Yeah. Ali, hello, Ali says, I want to be a fly on the skiff wall. Uh, Ashley says, Ashley Starr says, they're swearing under oath their sworn statements plus their radar imaging. This is their truth. And we, again, referencing the abductees holding all the evidence says Pamela G and Lisa Savoy uh, is also an experiencer she's in the chat tonight I'm interested to know what their perspective is as, as we go forward because a lot of people do know the truth but this is just the beginning of their um, vindication and their uh, revelation into a, a you know hopefully uh, an accepting Congress so Linda we've got plenty of questions and, yes um, so Shall I start with some questions? Yes. Here we go. Uh, hello, Ali says, question, does Linda think that the questions table today for the skiff will be game changers? Well, it depends on what they let out of the skiff. Uh, that's what the skiffs were built for, that people uh, would have to sign non-disclosure agreements for any level of work or knowledge. And then after that, meetings would have to be held in these special uh, 
rooms that are made so that there can be no electromagnetic exchange coming in and out. Um, and this, so the skiff allows uh, secret discussions. But what we all need is we need the content that's in all of the skiff discussions that cannot be made public. And that's the conundrum. How do we get past all of the 80 years of building in, keeping everything associated with extraterrestrial biological entities, um, other dimensions, all of it? How do we keep what's happened to keep it when I thought that was such a, a very interesting question that was asked uh, from one of the uh, representatives, have there been murders? And I think that people who have investigated for a long time are pretty convinced that there have been murders and that the JFK assassination was linked to what was going on in internecine warfare with MJ-12 and others. And uh, my dear friend Jim Mars uh, wrote a book about the the assassination in that context uh, had to do with UFOs and ETs. And the government probably feels uncomfortable about it, but maybe there is um, uh, some way to get out the true history. And so that's why it's like Swiss cheese. Uh, skiffs allow a tiny bit of people to know something inside of work that they're doing. But the public, the huge public, is and has been for the last 80 years excluded from the evolution. Think of how many departments, think of how many underground facilities have been built and devoted to keeping crashed UFO, uh, whether it's a craft, a technology, uh, bodies, all of it. There, there's as I understand it, uh, there really is a lot that is underground. And that would be removing from the surface, like a skiff removes people into a built room, so that there won't be leaks. And so we're at this kind of razor's edge. This today was what I have been hoping that we would start having discussions in all forums and televisions long before now, and, and yet people are still extremely awkward and uh, about it. And Mr. Grush says about most of the questions asked him that he could only discuss it in a skiff. So if there is legislation like Senator Schumer's that would start changing somehow the landscape of research, photographs, videos of extraterrestrials of all kinds, craft of all kinds, technologies of all kinds, that there will be a transition from no one is ever to know in the human uh, family on Earth to, okay, we now have to start finding ways to share all this information to the Earth. And that's what the power brokers do not want to do. And so to me, 
the rubber is hitting the road this day. You can see how much we were exposed to, and that's just a tiny, tiny bit. There's tons and tons and tons more. How do we go from the baby steps today to full Earth planetary knowledge about civilizations that are with a hundred light years of Earth? Uh, the congressman misspoke. We don't have to go billions of light years to get to other uh, solar systems. There's um, ones for uh, four light years, five light years, seven light years, 10 light years, 20 light years, 40 light years. It goes on and on and on. How do we get to truth on earth? That's what this all boils down to me. Go ahead, Ian. Alan Steinfeld's in the chat this evening, and he says, if we could find out who is threatening the people coming forward, we could get to the bottom of the secret holders. Linda, who do you think the higher-ups are? Well, I know for, I guess, I know for a fact that we've got 17 intel agencies, and the first one, was the Central Intelligence Agency brought into existence in September, I think it was September 18, 1947, by Harry S. Truman. September 18, 1947, was only about five or six weeks after the Roswell crash that made the front page of the Roswell Daily Record. There were other crashes, but that one it got put into history because that newspaper was able to get that photograph and put it on the front page. We're not intimidated, and that was that one piece of history that we had. And the agencies that then evolved, the Central Intelligence Agency came first. I think the next one was the National Security Agency and, uh, and then going on, we now have, I think it's 17. The Defense Intelligence Agency, I know, uh, came, I believe, after NSA, and it had a tremendous amount of responsibility having to go out into the world, didn't matter where, what territory, what nation. And their job was to try to get uh, technologies, craft, bodies, and bring them back to something that I believe most, I think most of the bodies, technologies, and everything associated with the extraterrestrial, we'll call it uh, evolution from World War II to today, are in huge underground facilities. So it's like we're a surface life, and then there is the secret life, and, and then when you go down really deep, you start getting into what things I've been told that the tall whites and the Nordics and the reptilians and the greys, they occupy, they literally occupy deep parts of our planet or inside of mountains and uh, below the basins of the seas of the oceans. Well, our government has caught on to that a long time ago as well. So we're in a strange evolutionary slash revolutionary period. 
there's seems to me there's a push to get us finally more into sync with the facts about this universe that it really is a conscious universe that we may be a third dimensional existence of which there are other dimensions that relate to us exactly as Mr. Grush described when you're a third dimensional being and you're standing and I, I'm casting a shadow on my table from the light, you can't see it, but this is third dimension and the third dimension is projecting the shadow. Well, you, if you start applying that in your mind, and this has come to people in the abduction syndrome that have been told very similar things, then the third dimension can be the projection of another higher dimension, and on it goes. And that when Michael Talbot wrote that very important book, Everybody Should Read, The Holographic Universe, and Bud Hopkins tells me that secretly Michael Talbot is one of his abductees that Bud had been working with, and he only learned from Michael Talbot after the book was out and was beginning to take off as an important book to read is when Michael Talbot finally told Bud, who then told me at a conference, this is Michael Talbot, the author, told me that the book is downloaded from the extraterrestrials that he relates to and that they have abducted him. It's a, like, like we're entering into uh, multiple facets, complexities. I've talked with people in government and science who do not think that humans are ready to take all of this. And yet look at what happened just from the mid-90s when we didn't have any cell phones, we didn't have TikTok, we didn't have a worldwide 24-7 news that you could pick up in a cell phone. You had none of that. And look at how fast humans adapted and that we're now being conditioned by Elon Musk and others that our destiny is to get humans on Mars. There may be a strategic military reason for doing that, but that we will start spreading. And as we start spreading out into space, we will be going in the technologies that they have denied, but that's what they're using in the big craft, uh, such as the Curtis LeMay, where they can go light years, much faster than we would have thought, <clears throat> but that they have been doing all kinds of investigative research within 50 or 100 years of where we are. Well, gosh, the Milky Way galaxy is much bigger. And then there are three trillion more galaxies. So I find it exciting to start even hearing some honest Q&A between congressional representatives of what is supposed to be a government of, by, and for the people that we are, for the very first time in all of this, in 80 years since World War II, we're actually beginning to hear intelligent Q&A with content in some of the answers. Wow, let's keep going. And for those of you who might be in science, medicine, 
aerospace, military, who are listening and watching, if you have fundamental insight, real knowledge, about why you think that the population of Earth right now in 2023 going to 24 and the end of this decade, is there really any true reason about why we shouldn't open all of this up and start educating everybody right now with the idea that this kind of evolution revolution could perhaps end a human atrocity like the war in Ukraine just by sheer revelation shock. I would love to have feedback from any of you who are in what I call the Hall of Mirrors with a quicksand floor. What is your true perspective now? Okay, Ian. Okay, Linda, let's pause for a moment and uh, do the Super Chats acknowledge everyone's generosity today. First up, we've got Cindy Vol from uh, Colorado, who's knocked Moonbird off the top slot. Still <laughs> Hi, <there>. Cindy. <laughs> Hi, Moonbird. <laughs> it'll have to have one day. Uh, hi, Moonbird. Moonbird also says, this is a day generations have waited for, which yeah. I think is a great quote. So thank you, Moonbird. Terry D, Jason Odom, uh, Liam Marshall, Digital Gypsy, Yin Yang Glow, She-Hawk, also says we're on baby steps, release the truth. Uh, Earth Angel, Northern Lights, Chris Brengler, Blue Racer, One Arlini, Jeff Francis. Thank you very much, everybody. Yes, agape hug to all of you, wherever you are, and to all of our uh, friends and who tune in from uh, so many different countries now around the world. Um, I would like us to be happy and glorious about the fact that we may be actually shifting. And I know that there are so many problems ranging global climate and temperature and that uh, in a strange way, it almost feels guilty to start talking about something that seems like it could be exciting when there are so many problems. But on the other side of these problems, if we were honest and true and we could introduce, meaning the governments would finally introduce, the reality of some kind of relationship with beings such as the tall whites and the Nordics, and that they truly are, uh, have interest in helping us. I know that the, the personalities and the, uh, the agendas may be more complicated, but let's assume that there is some goal uh, to have humans evolve. It could be such an exciting time because when we are in what's going to be an increasing crisis, I, I think this is just for openers what's happening, that there's going to be more and more and more horrible environmental world crises. And maybe the geniuses on the ET side and the humans who are responsible for keeping the secret maybe finally see that there could be a tremendous advantage of opening it up and that we could be introduced on the planet in a positive way, at least to some who seem to have a vested interest. And 
again, I throw it out to those of you who are working in the difficult landscape to let me know if there would be a problem in this thinking. But it seems like if Homo sapiens sapien could meet an extraterrestrial DNA manipulator of the last many millions of years working on this planet and meet them in the context of we humans need help. We need help to survive on a planet that is going through revolutionary climate and other changes. Maybe the solar system will end up also going through some revolution evolution. But if we then met with non-human intelligences who meant us no harm, that they want to continue to be able to work with us and with Earth and this solar system, it might be the way that we could shake hands, metaphorically, not in fear, not in intimidation, not in government cover-up, but that we're told over and over again that this universe, the whole universe is conscious. And whatever set it in motion, I think of as the thought that dwells in the light. It's infinity of consciousness. And that it does not want death. It does not want hatred. And so maybe there is, if we could go deeper with more knowledge, maybe there is a safe and peaceful way that we could be introduced finally to the truth and have beings that would be willing to shake hands metaphorically and that it would be a whole new age and that what humans would learn is, no, they are not here to do your life for you. But they are here because they have a vested interest in who you are, the strong souls of Homo sapiens sapien. And that if we knew the whole huge truth about why we are on this earth after millions of years of genetic manipulation, with other non-humans who can travel throughout the Milky Way galaxy and beyond. There's got to be something special about humanity. We take it for granted and we fight with each other. Maybe if we knew that we had extraordinary, extraordinary frequencies to add to this universe and beyond, we might begin to have completely different priorities. And those priorities might forever exclude war and hatred. And that would be sort of what the avatars of history. If you look at the avatars of history who have come, Krishna and Buddha and Christ and Mohammed and Joseph Smith. It seems to me in, in some ways that that is the bottom line. That when you're joined together and you know that your souls go through infinite cycles 
and that you are a consciousness that gathers knowledge, like the universe itself is gathering knowledge from everything in it, and that evolution has its own energy and its own destiny if there is a push forward and positive, not self-destructive. And that's the way I like to think about the moment where we are. Baby humans on Earth are now going to start becoming teenagers in this vast universe, I hope, and that there could be tremendous excitement that would take the horrible stress and pressure off of this planet that is hurting so badly in so many ways. And that's, I guess, sharing with you those words that is a feeling like wanting to embrace fellow beings and say, it could be that that's why we're here. But we have got to be better and we have got to be more honest and we've got to know the truth about what our relationship as a conscious being with a soul is to the universe that has consciousness and thus to all beings on a bell-shaped curve from possibly hostile to loving and everything in between and that it not be frightening that it be enervating to begin to learn a whole lot more about the universe we're in and the dimensions. And that when Mr. Grush talked about that a third dimension could be a projection from other dimensions, like the shadow cast on the sidewalk, I think that that is getting close to another aspect of all of this that we humans have not been taught and it could be that if we were educated and we began to think in those terms, it might begin to get us out of the state of what a lot of people feel is historic depression at a time when so many forces have been pushing humans in many different ways. And now maybe if we can get to truth, it could possibly be the revolutionary ingredient we need to change death and destruction on Earth. Okay, Ian, I know I started a little bit late, but I think I'm at a point where I want to say to everybody, feel, please feel an agape hug from a fellow human being for all of you who are wanting to know the truth as I do, and that we're going through this together, like I hope we can, humans go through the universe, and that I'm going to be doing a lot of work in August, like I did last year. But I've got something really special to come back with on September 6th. And in the meantime, I would love to get your emails, your letters, any way you want to communicate as things begin to percolate more and more and more from this historic day, July 26th, 2023, when Americans actually got to hear some honest discussion 
between their representatives and three very knowledgeable military people who know we are not alone, who know the technology is not human, who know that we are on the verge of being finally introduced to extraterrestrial intelligences that cohabit this universe. I love you guys. See you September 6th. listening to this Earth Files podcast from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com.